Hi, welcome back. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And today, tonight, we're going to talk about, can we bargain with God? We've all been in that situation before where maybe you're buying something at a rummage sale or at an antique shop or something like that. And you like it, but you're not sure you like the price and you want to kind of dicker and go back and forth so you can get what you want, but at your, on your own terms and not on the terms of the seller. And that's bargaining. True. And sometimes we feel like we are, we should be bargaining with God to get the things that we want. Yeah, but there's a problem with that. That's called manipulation. And I have something I want to read. This is uh, some commentary from Eugene Peterson. And he said, he says, and this is from his Message Bible devotional on page 304, if you have one. says, the living God cannot be used, manipulated, or managed. Spiritual power isn't a matter of getting our hands on the right method or technology. <laughs> the personal God cannot be reduced to an impersonal power and further those who attempt such a thing are judged by this living God, for he won't tolerate such blasphemous behavior. He didn't then, and he won't now. I like that part where it says spiritual power isn't a matter of getting our hands on the right method or technology. Mm. Because there's been times, I know I've read books that, that say, if you pray this way, then you'll get this. Or if you do this, God will do this. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's one of those times when we're taking God and we're putting him, uh, trying to put human qualities on God that don't exist and trying to make him our equal. Because you don't bargain with someone who's above you. You try and bargain with someone as an equal. Um, if you think about little kids, little kids are quick to say, well, if you give me this, I'll be good. Or if you yeah. do this, I'll be good. Um, and sometimes we treat God the same way. We try and, and uh, offer him something that he doesn't need. So that he'll give us something that we want, but obviously he doesn't think we'll need. Wait, say that again? I didn't get it. We'll bargain with God, offering him something he doesn't need. Right. So that we can get something what we... he doesn't think we need. Oh, okay. But we want. Okay. All right. I have a couple uh, scriptures. Oh, wait, I have another one thing. This okay. is it's also from the devotional. Too, so. Okay. This uh He's talking about uh, cultures, God, pagan worship. Pagan worship was grounded in the belief that human actions mm. provide the critical element for what happens in life, that the gods can be bribed to prosper humans. Viewed this way, Canaanite culture is hardly distinguishable from contemporary culture. A great deal of contemporary religion is little more than trying to manipulate God in order to get something from him. Yeah, all pagan gods were like that. They, re they required a sacrifice. You had to give them something in order to gain their favor or um, or get what you wanted from them. And it was it was typical for most pagan religions that at certain seasons they would sacrifice, uh, for different reasons they would sacrifice. And like the uh, Norse gods or the Greek gods or the Roman gods, um, the difference there, of course, is that even the people that were worshiping them knew that they were fickle. Right. That they changed their mind one way or another on whatever they wanted to do. And the belief was, within the pagan world, was that the gods were just playing with us. Mm -hmm. And I think it, once we, when we try and bargain with God, we have that same kind of mentality. 
is that there's some sort of a gamesmanship going up here and we have to one-up God. We have to find a way to trick Him or to get the things we want. We're, we're trying to beat the system by doing this with God. But don't you think sometimes it's not necessarily consciously. We just think if we try really hard, we'll get something. Like maybe we're just not trying hard enough. Well, maybe, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about trying hard. We're talking about bargaining with God. Well, So I, I've got a passage too. Okay. This is out of Genesis 28. Um, and this is Jacob. Okay. And Jacob had just woken up from a dream where God said... I'm the Lord I'm the Lord, God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust on the earth, and you will spread out west to east, north to south. So he had just woke up from that dream where God spoke to him. Okay. And he says, uh, verses twenty through twenty two, then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I will take I, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. If. He starts it out by saying, if. Right, but... And that's an interesting thing. Now, we know, biblically, that God did bless Jacob. Right. But Jacob had a bunch of really tough lessons to learn. Yeah. Between this point in time and when God blessed him. Right. God had intended to bless him anyway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about, if you do this, I'll do this. And the ludicrousy of this, the funny part of this, if you look at it through a clear lens, he promised to give God 10% of what God gave him. Hmm. If your kid walked up to you and said, hey, can I have $10? I'll give you a dollar for it. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. Right. And yet... We can still do that in our head. Lord, if you let me win the lottery, I'll give 25% of it to charity. Right. What, what, what kind of bargain is that? Well, I, see, I think, but that, I think this, the bargaining does fall under manipulation because, okay, we have this verse. This is um, John fifteen sixteen. Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. And I know that there are people, I've heard in the Christian realm, they says, well, Jesus says, whatever I ask for, God will give me. That's one thing. But then, there's a story I have to tell that, I think part of this, a problem is when we go to God, is if something bad happens, or if things aren't happening the way we think they should be happening, Sometimes we resort to thinking he's trying to punish us or or we're not seeing him as good. That we think he's withholding because we're not doing a certain thing. And I mean, that can be true. But I, I knew this couple and they wanted a baby so bad they they couldn't conceive. And, and they were for sure, they they questioned, they for sure that they had sin in their life. And... And and they did this, and they did this, and they just thought for sure it was because of something bad they had done, and God was withholding that. But that wasn't the case at all. He was leading them in a different direction. It had nothing to do with them being bad people, so he wouldn't bless them with the baby. It was just that God was leading them in a different direction. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's part of the gamesmanship, too, is that if you think you can bargain with God, then you also must think that God is a vengeful God. And that you have to be afraid of God 
where you have to be constantly working the system to try and get ahead yeah, of see, that's, you to stay just one step ahead of yeah. God, which if we realize who God is and what God is, the concept there is ludicrous, but it's so natural in our human connections that we do it with each other. Right. On our day-to-day basis, we do this constantly. That's, this uh, is the world's way. Yes. And our, you give our, me this, I'll One way of that. our bargaining is if I buy something, I give you money, you give me something in return. Yeah. We give and take all the time. That's our, that is our relationship with each other here on earth, but that is not the relationship intended for God. Well, there's also that, that little saying that I don't know who says it, but I've heard it. Everyone has a price. Mm. They think anybody can be bought. And so if I work hard enough and I check all the boxes, that means God's going to give me this. Of course, that's not true. But there's this No, verse. that's, that's basing, basing everything on acts and on works. And, and we know our salvation is not based on that. Our salvation is based on faith. And the faith is that God has his best intentions for us. Mm-hmm. And leave it alone. If I, God tells you to do something, do it. If you if you live within His will, He will take care of you. But God never, in His Word, ever promises that there will not be difficulty for believers. Jesus says, "In this world there'll be troubles, but do not worry. I have, uh, gosh, I should look that up. Conquered. I have conquered these troubles. I've I've defeated them all. That's not right. That, that, that's Go what ahead. do you call that? A, a paraphrase. Paraphrase. Yeah. All right. I have two verses I want to share with. Okay, Psalm thirty-seven four says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I think people sometimes, and I think I've done it myself, I read that, but I read the first part quick. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so, you get that little promise there, but that delight yourself in the Lord, when we're truly delighting in the Lord, our desires will change, actually. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, our our desires change, and then the other. Um, if we truly delight in the Lord, our, yeah, then then what we desire will be the presence of God, right? And that He will give us. That He has promised us. I will be with you always. That He has promised us. Uh, uh, someone said this, and I totally agree. I heard someone say this at a Bible study once. That they said, "Okay, Proverbs one nineteen. This is not what I want to share, but I'm going to share this anyway. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors." And they thought violence, another manipulation, is a form of violence in, in a way, emotional violence, and mm-hmm. you're trying to push your own agenda, get your own way. And when we act that way. When we manipulate people or manipulate God, it breaks down a relationship. And manipulation can actually destroy a relationship. You know, if I am, right. if in our marriage all I do is I do things just to get you to do things for me, that is not a relationship. That's that, that, There's no intimacy. There's no honesty. It's just, it's just a free-for-all for selfish desires. But so put that the opposite of manipulation if you want to be a person that does not manipulate, you would look at Psalm 1, mm-hmm. 1 through 3. And I'm going to read this because this mm-hmm. is how we can flourish as a Christian, as a believer. How blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his or her delight is in the law of the Lord, 
and in his law he or she meditates day and night, and he or she will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he or she does, he or she prospers. So it's like we're like a tree, and a tree, it takes time to grow deep roots, it takes time to bear fruit, but we're totally watered all the time because it's a, by a stream. So that, that tree is watered, has the water he or she always needs. I guess, I don't know. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? I get, it does. I think another thing <clears throat> we need to take into consideration here is this bargaining with God yeah. and this this fear of punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't anything new. It's happened all throughout the Bible that happened. Uh, Psalm 73 says, Surely in vain... <clears throat> Excuse me, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every every morning. That thought that I've done everything right, why is it going badly for me? Again, why is God punishing me? I didn't mm-hmm. do anything wrong. Right. That sense of injustice that we get is really no difference than that the sense of I deserve something. Mm. And when we start thinking that way with God, either fearing that he's punishing us, or unjustly punishing us especially, or our fear that that uh, we have to bargain with him to get something, that game of cat and mouse again. Um, we're trying to trick him and, and trying to trying to get one up on God. You know, um, one of the shows that Jane and I like to watch sometimes is the Antique Roadshow. <clears throat> and on the Antiques Roadshow, they always have someone bring in something. They don't know if it's worth anything, and they take it to an expert, and the expert looks at it and says, oh, you know, this is a 14th century painting. And, uh, and the guy says, yeah, I got it for 25 bucks at a garage sale. <laughs> well, it's worth $10,000, you know, and they about fall over. I always think, you know, what if I was the guy from the garage sale and I was watching? Yeah. Darn Man. It. God. 25, ah, I just gave you all that money, basically. And it's one of those things that if you were the Christian and you did something, you know, someone came up to you begging for change, you gave them a dollar, they bought a lottery ticket and won the lottery, would we want them to pay us for it? Well, we have no right to it. No, but that would be your first thought. Is man, yeah. the guy could at least give me a little bit. Yeah, give me 50 bucks. So anytime we do something, we want to get rewarded for it. Well... There's that desire of that. And God says, do what I tell you because I tell you. Yeah. And live within my will. And yeah. as you read there, you know, we're supposed to meditate on his law day and night. That is for our own benefit. Yeah. It is not for God's benefit. God doesn't need us to meditate on his law. He will still no. be God. Right. God does not diminish whatsoever if we do not have faith in him. God is God. We put ourselves out as being so important when we start to think that we can, on an even footing, kind of bargain with this stuff. The only reason why we're important is because God loves us. Mm-hmm. He's the one who makes us important. And it's because we're important to Him. But I read something today. I'm hoping I, I wrote it down. It's another one in this, from this Bible. I just like his commentary. Um, our identities, this is from Eugene Peterson. Okay, so... Uh, it's talking about Jeremiah, but this, you'll see, it it relates. Hmm. Jeremiah's life didn't start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's salvation didn't start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's truth didn't start with Jeremiah. He entered the world 
which the essential parts of his existence were already ancient history. So do we. Our identities don't begin with us. There's something previous to what we think about ourselves, and that is what God thinks of us. This means that everything we think and feel is by nature a response. Hmm. So what I wrote, then I wrote, then I, I write prayers in my journal. This is what I wrote to God. I said, everything I think and say and do is a response to God's love, no matter how I respond. So, oh Lord, let all that I am and all that I do and think be a response of love for you and others and for this life you have given me. So if we remember we're all in God and in God's love, it's it's all about him. Can I read something else? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, do you have something? No, go ahead. Okay. Well, you know, this goes back, it, it makes me think about the Lord's Prayer and how the, the disciples asked Jesus how we should pray. And it's not so much a formula, but it's it's... It's not like we have to say those words, but Jesus has shown us to to see God as our Father and in, in a and in a, in be come to Him as children. And so I, I want to read a little bit here. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a, theatr- a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for fifteen minutes of fame. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. What do you think of that? Well, first of all, I like that. I like that thought. Um, When we're dealing with, especially like the youth or with new believers, one of the most paralyzing fears that they have is that somebody's going to ask them to pray out loud. Could you pray? We'll, we'll bring this blank stare of abject terror into their face because they're going to have to do it in front of other people. When really all we're doing is, is, is speaking with God the Father. It really does, shouldn't be a big deal. But it's intimidating for mm-hmm. a new believer to do something like that. So I, I, I like that where Jesus says, you know, find your, find your secluded place. I also like in the Lord's Prayer... Where Jesus starts out saying, Our Father who art in heaven. Okay, our Father, acknowledging that in heaven, way beyond our realm, beyond us, above us, around us, everywhere. That kingdom come, thy will be done, is how he starts it. Mm. So when you pray, thy will be done, everything else you ask for after that is up to God. Mm. It's not up to us. And Jesus said, start out by saying, Your will, Father, not mine. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us. All the things he asks for after that are conditional upon one thing and one thing only. And that is the will of God. Mm -hmm. So if we try and bargain with God, we're basically saying that our will should be more important than his will. Mm. And that's not what we were intended to do, and that's not what Jesus was trying to explain. I got another example from the Bible. I like another story I'll bring up here from the Old Testament. I already talked about um, Jacob, but one of the people that were that was like this, and uh, excellent book in the Bible, a lot of fun to read, and a lot deeper than the coloring book version you may have gotten in Sunday school, is Jonah. Jonah. And in the book of Jonah, of course, he's sent to Nineveh, and he is a man who is righteous enough that God chose him to send him. That's true. So there, he had something going for him because God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. 
Nineveh was was a non-Hebrew city. It was uh, a den of iniquity. It was sinning. It was terrible. And Jonah would have really loved to stand there in self in 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 his own self righteousness and watch thunderbolts and lightning come down and destroy it. That's what he was hoping for. Mm-hmm. But we know the story about how Jonah swallowed by the great fish. All those sort of things. He gets there. He finally does what God tells him to do. Grudgingly. Mm-hmm. Grudgingly, after he promised he'd do it. And, to get himself out of his trouble. And then he does it grudgingly. He bargains with God a little bit. And, and grudgingly goes and tells them this. And then he gets angry. Because people start to They're change. They start to repent. They start to change. And he gets angry. And I, I love this little piece here. In uh, uh, the book of Jonah. Chapter 4. verse Starting in verse 4. It says, But the Lord replies, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in a shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Hmm. It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. (laughs) (laughs) But the Lord said... You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? So God's telling Jonah, through an abject lesson here with this plant. An abject or an object? Object lesson. An object lesson with this plant. He grows the plant and it gives him shade and he gets he gets great contentment and joy out of the shade. And then he takes the plant away. And Jonah pouts. Well, yeah, he's a and then he brings the heat. And Jonah says, Oh, I wish I could die. And God says, Why would you be angry about the plant? Oh, I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Oh, is this not a spoiled child? And yet we are all spoiled children in the same way. And God just simply says, why are you worried about a plant? You had nothing to do with it growing or of it dying. You had no control over that. And he, and he says, should I not be more concerned about people than about whether or not you have shade? And yet I provided shade. Yeah, you know. God says, I will give you what you need. Mm-hmm. Stop pouting about it. So when... This pouting is another way of Jonah trying to manipulate God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do. I'm so angry that you saved these people. You shouldn't save them. Um, and again, Jonah was chosen for a reason. And you know but what? But God put him what? in these situations. And I think one of the biggest reasons that sometimes these things happened, um, as we look into the Bible, is that they are lessons for us. Right. We can look at that and... In my self-righteousness, I can look at someone who is uh, an out-and-out 
center, easy to see, just a vile person doing very, very well in in the world. Mm. And I can see someone who is a righteous, loving, wonderful Christian person dying of cancer sitting in the next in the house right next door to them. Right. And I say what humans always say. What do we say? It's not fair. Oh, the fairness. It's not fair. He doesn't deserve success. They don't deserve suffering. God never says anything about if you follow me, you'll have less suffering. Right. Like you said earlier, Jesus said, there's going to be suffering in this world. That's across the board. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we are promised is peace and contentment and the future with God. Those are the only things we really get promised by God. But you know what? He will the, give us yeah. peace. We will find our contentment within Him, not within things, but within Him. And we will, we will spend eternity with Him. So... What goes on in this life, um, God can God can bring the plant and God can bring the worm. Mm-hmm. Either way. Well, I think we, we everybody's life, we're all parables. We're like living stories. Mm. And we're part of God's story. But he uses our lives. I mean, we're not just stories, but we're... His light is everywhere. His seeds are everywhere. And he's trying to plant mm. seeds in everyone's hearts and minds, and I did like how you said he does promise us peace. The world can't give us peace. I mean, that's truly miraculous. I mean, since you know both of us have been Christians for quite a long time, I forget what it's like not to have peace. I mean, I might have times where I'm not resting in God's peace, but overall, I got peace, and the world can't give that, and um, that is... A lot of people in the world want that. I think everybody wants that. And they only can get it in, in, through Jesus. I have to I have to say this. Yeah. Uh, this is just something that we noticed tonight. There was a there's a, a TV show on PBS that we watch sometimes. It's a medical show. Um, we really enjoy it. But um, tonight they were talking about the COVID-19 virus and all the different things that were going on. And they weren't just talking about the actual illness itself, but also this self-quarantine that we're going through right now where people are staying six feet away from each other or staying in their homes and not doing things um, causes a lot of anxiety, causes a lot of fear. Um, the media, of course, is ramping up the fear big time. They, yeah. It just seems to be a constant crash of fear. I don't know why someone would watch more than a half hour of any news program just because it's just constantly ramping up worst-case scenarios for us. Um, as a Christian, we should be able to step back and say, but God's got this too. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens, God's got it. But I, I just find it, you were talking about, you know, finding that peace. And I, there was, they brought a, a man on, I'm sure very well in, intentioned. I'm sure he was a, a sociologist or a psychiatrist or something like that. And of course, they're doing all these things from their home. So he's in his sweats and with his headphones on. And he's talking about, well, if you have this thought that gets in your head and it's a negative, it's not a positive thought, take a deep breath and bring it all the way to the top of your head and down to your toes and let the negativity go out as you breathe. And I'm thinking, is that the wackiest stuff I've ever heard? It's not. I've heard stranger things. But I'm thinking the best you can do is tell somebody to take a deep breath. 
Yeah, God has a lot more than that. God has a lot more peace than that. And the difference is that we have a promise of hope for a future. Mm -hmm. So no matter what happens today or tomorrow or any time in my life, no matter what happens, there is hope on the other side. That was a guarantee. Yeah, I, that is my yeah. hope. He is my rock and my salvation, a mighty fortress. I have another okay. verse, Jeremiah, <clears throat> Jeremiah one five, a. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. That's for all of us. God knew us, and you could go to Psalm one thirty nine mm-hmm. also. God shaped each one of us in our mother's wombs. He knew all about us before we even came to life, came through that womb. He had holy plans for each one of us. And, I mean, if if a person doesn't ever accept Christ, those plans don't, aren't realized, which that's really sad. But God wants all of us. He doesn't want one person to perish. And if we accept him, then he can start doing that work that he never finishes. I mean, he continues to work. That's in Philippians where mm-hmm. I pray that, you know, I know that God is still working in you. That's a bad paraphrase, but it's, you know. But. And Job, um, one of the things he was challenged with by his so-called friends, uh, in Job 5 it says, um, excuse me, Job 4, it says, uh-huh. Job 4, 6 says, Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? Oh, that'd be awful. What a concept. Yeah. If we base it upon our own abilities, we would always fall short. Right. But the creator of the universe does not fall short. The God who loved you before you were born and loves you all the time, no matter who you are. Nobody knows you better than God. The ugliness, the deep, dark secrets, nobody knows you better than God. But nobody loves you better than God either. God loves us more than than all of our faults. And that is our hope. That is our strength. And when we we understand that, and we understand the cost that, that comes with our salvation, and we understand who God is, and who, as low as we are, He He loves us so much, even though we are not worth it, that's when we find peace. Because nothing's bigger than God. Not the world, not a virus, not politics, not the media, not money problems. Nothing's bigger than God. And nothing is outside of His realm of control. But within His realm of control, he, it is His will and His will alone that has sway over everything. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two, a couple things I want to say. Okay, let's say someone is really, really praying for something. And maybe maybe it is God's will. I don't know. But we have to wait for God's perfect timing. And if you mm-hmm. just continue to be prepared and rest in Him and delight yourself in the Lord, and you give the desires of your heart, God has a way of, feels like never, never, never will happen. And then all of a sudden, bang, bang, everything comes together so quickly. It's like God just... But I think... One thing we need to not do, because we all get into problems, is don't ever panic. That's Mm. when we make some really dumb decisions. Go to God first. Don't panic, because he has a way out. He, He will get you through anything, and he knows your desires, and he knows 
what will bring you the most joy. And we don't always know that. Go ahead. I just want to say, I want to add to that just a little bit. Okay. There are times when it's God's timing that we never have it. Yeah, well, that's true, There are times when we will pray fervently for something for years, and it's not God's will for us, so it just doesn't happen. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you stop praying for it, but that does mean that if it doesn't come, maybe that was not God's will. You know, there there are many times that we can look back in our lives and say, boy, I remember when I really wished for that. I'm glad it didn't happen because what I have now is so much better. Right. I'm glad I didn't accomplish what I thought was going on here because I wouldn't be in the place that I am now. Uh, there was a lot of times in my life when I look back, there was a lot of crossroads, a lot of forks in the road. Mm-hmm. And if I'd have taken what I thought was the fork that I wanted to take, if, if that had happened, <clears throat> I probably wouldn't be where I am now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be who I am now. I know that. And a lot of times, the only reason I didn't take that fork mm-hmm. was because God closed that door. Yeah. I really wanted it. Mm-hmm. And he shut that door. So I had to go another direction. And I think in its entirety, in its totality, when you look at your life, you will see God's hand on your decisions as they go. Not because they're decisions of what you wanted, but decisions of what he wanted. And the wonderful thing in that is if you truly love God and you trust Him, if you love Him with all your soul and all your heart and all your strength and all your mind, if you trust Him implicitly, you'll see the closed doors as blessings. Mm -hmm. Because He loves you enough to close the door sometimes. Yeah. So we don't need to bargain with God. We just need to rest in His will. Oh, I like that. We don't need to bargain. Just rest in His will. He's got this. Thanks, honey. Yeah. Thank you for listening and God bless. God bless.